This is Amy Boris, Deputy Director of CII, and I'm speaking today with CII Director of Research, Glenn Davis, about the Council's opposition to virtual-only shareholder meetings. Glenn, everything else in life seems to be moving online. What's wrong with an online shareholder meeting? There is nothing wrong with an online shareholder meeting, so long as it supplements the in-person meeting. It's important to stress here that this is not a debate about whether to embrace new technology. This is really a debate about whether in-person attendance should still be an option for shareholders. CII has absolutely no objection to embracing new technology. We're asking companies to use it to augment shareholder participation and to let shareholders make their own decisions about whether they want to attend in person or online. Increasing access to shareholders who can't travel to the meeting is something obviously everybody supports. The problem here is that some companies and service providers are suggesting that as part of getting on board with the 21st century, we need to forfeit the one opportunity out of the year when shareholders of any size can have real face-to-face interaction with the company's management and board. Of course, that's a false choice. Another reason why online only is a bad idea is that not letting shareholders inside the meeting goes in the opposite direction of where things are going with company shareholder engagement. It wasn't very long ago that engagement between companies and shareholders on anything beyond standard IR interaction was a highly unusual event, but of course today it's no big deal, and because of that, managers and boards are more comfortable in front of shareholders than ever before. It just doesn't make intuitive sense to revert to an environment where the emphasis is on maximizing control and keeping shareholders at a comfortable distance. Letting shareholders attend in person is part of a robust engagement program. There's a deeper motivation as to why CII and other investors are taking a stand on this issue, even if they attend by proxy nearly all the time. Underneath practical questions of whether virtually only meetings can be technically seamless is whether they're appropriate. Whose company is this? Whose event is this? This is an event created for shareholders at which owners elect agents to represent their interests for the rest of the year. So what made this issue suddenly so relevant? CI members actually adopted a policy on this back in 2010. It was pretty straightforward. The first sentence said, Companies should hold virtual meetings only as a supplement to traditional in-person shareholder meetings, not as a substitute. We wrote our first letter in favor of hybrid meetings to Oracle in that same year. We're stepping up our efforts this year because the number of virtual-only annual meetings, though still small at less than 4% of publicly traded companies, is rising. Broadridge says 184 companies will hold online-only meetings in the first six months of 2017, one-third more than in the first half of 2016. As of last year, about a fifth of the companies using this technology were going the hybrid route. Our ideal would be to get that percentage up to some substantial majority, particularly for the large-cap companies. This year, we have seen several high-profile large-caps, including Union Pacific, Duke Energy, ConocoPhillips, and Ford, proposing to go virtual-only. Like a lot of issues in corporate governance, this is a slippery slope that becomes more slippery as adopters increase in size. Another reason we've picked up this issue is that while there are some exceptions, help is not going to come from state houses, regulators, or the private sector. About half of the state codes now permit online-only meetings, and Delaware blazed that trail in 2000. Seventeen states in the District of Columbia do not permit virtual-only meetings, but do permit hybrid meetings, and 11 states require a physical location for the shareholders' meeting, according to Gibson Dunn. At the Securities and Exchange Commission, staff for the Division of Corporation Finance recently allowed companies to exclude proposals submitted by shareholders asking for a restoration of an in-person meeting. And the provider of virtual technology, Broadridge, is encouraging companies to go online only to maximize convenience and control for issuers and minimize their costs. That's certainly an appealing combination to any issuer, but what companies are not hearing is why there are reasons to preserve an in-person element.
So it's really up to investors to let companies know that this is important and this isn't just an issue for a few gadfly activists. So what is CII doing in response to this trend? We are writing to boards of larger companies that are going down this track for the first time and where the cost argument against hybrid may be less compelling. Uh, This is where shareholders do tend to show up, and generally we're not targeting companies with less than a $3 billion market cap. We're applying less scrutiny to these smaller companies where attendance is less common, although you could make the argument that those companies would be least impacted by maintaining the in-person option. So what has CII heard back from some of these companies? We did hear back from Duke. There was no mention in that response that the hybrid option exists, let alone whether it was considered. It was basically a rehash of the false choice between online only and a physical meeting. They also said management obtained shareholder input on this. We don't know who those shareholders are or whether they were polled about doing the hybrid option. We're guessing probably not. They said their approach will set a new standard for corporate governance best practices. Well, how can CII members make their views on this issue known? What should our members do if they're concerned? Well, if you have a company in your portfolio and their proxy statement indicates they're planning to go virtual only, we would encourage you to send a letter to the lead director and the full board asking whether full consideration has been given to why virtual only may not serve the company's best long-term interest. There's a perception out there that this issue is for associations like CII, Coastal Pension Funds, and the gadfly crowd, so correspondence is especially important if you're an investor and you don't fall into those buckets. It doesn't have to be a long letter, and it shouldn't be hostile. You may not see results in 2017, but that letter might help sway discussion regarding format for future shareholder meetings. And to the extent you can make those letters public, you can maximize the impact by letting the broader market know that this issue is on your radar screen. Well, thanks, Glenn. Members can find examples on CII's website of CII's correspondence with companies holding virtual-only meetings. Just go to the homepage, www.cii.org, click on Correspondence, and you'll see the letters grouped together with the March 29th letter to Duke Energy. Thank you.